Welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by CaliberMind. This is your podcast to learn the skills you need to succeed in leadership. Today I'm joined by Dale Swazinski. Dale, I can't believe it's our final day. Time has flown by. Please tell me what you mean by is your marketing linked to churn? Yeah, so a lot of times people blame the customer success world with churn happens. So um, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this lately. And the, the challenge is, are we bringing the right people in the top of the funnel? If we go back to like day one of our conversation, the ICP buying persona value proposition, do we have that nailed in the front end? And a lot of times that's on marketing that then bleeds into sales. And to be honest with you, CS doesn't have anything to do with it. So like... As churn's happening, there's three things I think about. Did we? Is it somewhere in the in the funnel between sales and marketing? Is it the product itself, or is it really poor customer service? Like that can happen as well. So, um, if we're getting a lot of churn, the question for me is, why did they churn? What were the, you know? Let's get good reasons and let's filter it back to marketing and sales to make sure that as we're bringing new people in the top of the funnel. Those people do hit our ICP. They are going to get value out of what we're delivering because you're just going to burn capital and burn like, okay, you're, you say that you're the best thing on XYZ, but the customers are not saying that. And oh, by the way, now people are trying to do a lot more research, back channeling, et cetera, before they're buying products. So if marketing saying we're the best thing for XYZ and the and the buyer goes and back channels with somebody and some community, RevOps community, sales community, they're gonna ask these questions like, can they really deliver on XYZ? And if we can't deliver, this gonna be put on the put on the company, but a lot of times it gets put on CS and is is to me it's the wrong place to put it. So I think I've seen the best CMOs, the CMOs I look up to, they understand that customer, their reputation in the market is driven by how happy customers are. And it mm -hmm. behooves them to analyze who's churning and change their ICP accordingly. Do you think it's a little bit of an experience or maybe just not thinking far enough ahead to just be focused on hitting the goals you're given, which may be lead volume or if you're lucky pipeline. And if you're really lucky bookings. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about on day two, which is the alignment side and all having the same objectives. Like if everyone's objectives are, and pick one, like I, I don't think all the time you can pick number of customers and revenue. Like, especially in this whole, like, depending on where you are in the startup continuum, like you got to kind of pick one because if you're trying to get logos, you're not always, you can't always get the right revenue mix that you want. Um, so if we're all targeted, if we're all saying, okay, we have to hit $2 million in ARR, let's say that's the number and marketing is like, well, and we, and, and revenue operations says, okay, we need these many leads to generate this much pipeline to, you know, all the way through and we're going to close this much business. Great. If that business is now, you know, renewing, expanding, like what's the motion on the back end? Uh, and I'll take a winning by design term, like the back end of the bow tie. So in the back end of the bow tie, you know, what's, because most people today are buying either trying it out or they're going to do it for like, you know, if they don't get value within the first six months, they're not renewing. 
or they're only buying small sample, this the, a smaller set of users, and they said, "We'll expand in twelve months," and then you don't expand, or you can't get them into other products. So, um, I think if we if we start at the revenue side and we say we need not just leads, but we need better qualified leads to get into the funnel, I think that could be something that would help the entire process. And then we have less churn. Less churn means that we're hitting the ICP and we're de deriving value. I I would think that marketing would want to deliver messages that we can deliver on the back end. Yes. And I think we've just been too like dissected in like marketing's got to generate X number of leads, sales got to generate X number of pipeline, uh, you know, X number of revenue and CS needs to, you know, keep churn down to a certain level and expand. It's like, that's not the right way to look at it. The right way to look at it is what's the top, what's the line we're going after? What's the goal? And let's break that down and make sure that it's sustainable and not just a number. Yeah. And I'm thinking back to Caliber Mind. I got to play sales engineer and do yep. loss interviews. I learned a ton about the language people were using. Yeah. And once again, you will get churn and we have to have a, a decision point. Are we going after logos? We're going after revenue. Like, and you know, we're depending on where you are in the startup continuum, like let's say you're at series A or series B. Like if you're at series A and you're going for a series B, you need to hit X number in revenue and ARR and or potentially logos to show traction now. And it's like, and then they want to know they're like more and more investors are asking about the metrics. So like if you're not doing the data stuff like early in the process and getting that foundation laid, like if you don't get your foundation laid between seed and series A, like by the time you get your series A, you're going to get crushed. Like the investors are no longer just taking your word for it. I just told, I talked to a, um, I talked to a CEO today or a founder today. They were going for a series A and the investor said, originally it was like 1 million, we'll give you a, a investment. Then it's like, oh, let's get to 2 million. We'll give you investment. Now they're saying 5 million. I don't know. Like it's a moving target. Right. So it's like, what, you know, what, what's the target? What's the traction? You know, I don't know. Like, so I think if you fundamentally execute properly, you're going to generate the right people coming in with converting at the right level. And, and then you will have, like one of my one of the founders that we're working with, he's been bootstrapping for a long time and had a little bit of investment, and he doesn't want to go get more funding. But we keep going over the metrics, like how do can we get the metrics? Because he wants to get to a place where people are begging to give him money. Like you're you have such a good niche, you have such a good market fit, like you're dri driving customers. So there will be like this flip where if the investors really want to get this execution running properly, if they get execution running properly. The investor is going to get less equity. That's not the strategy I'm used to hearing, but I come from a venture-backed world, so it's, <laughs> it's going to happen. Like, it's going to happen because I think you know because yeah. people aren't getting the money now. So like the people that have already gotten money, like there's this whole idea. I think Scott Lee was talking about like these zombie companies that are happening, and I talked to a bunch of investors that actually. Or I'm talking to investors now that are looking for zombie companies to go invest in. I know we're way off topic, so. No. get back on topic but i, I mean um, it's it's seasonal right like yeah it, it's happening now it's gonna happen like look at like if if the investors are are bent on making sure that people are are doing all the work and like executing by definition people like the founders are going to get smart enough 
because they're going to have people like me and Adam and other people that have been through this world and being like, no, you're not going to undervalue the company because we're actually executing your, the rest of your portfolio isn't executing as well as we're executing. Like, what do you mean you're going to give us, you know, you're not going to give us a 40 X valuation. Yeah. That makes sense. This happened in the past, by the way, like we, we, we went through this whole process in the dot-com bus. Like this is yeah. this whole, this story's happened before. Well, it's cyclical. And I was working for um, a digital advertising company that sold to car dealerships back in 2008, remember? And our major yeah. client was GM. Yep. We made it. Yep. But it was because they were really smart about profit margins. And, yep. um, but going back to churn, I think since marketing has such a huge opportunity to drive the definition of ICP, it's really in their best interest to really analyze churn and be the sanity check when I've seen this happen a lot where a founder CEO wants to just go enterprise right away. Yep. And yep. that can work for some products. I don't want to say it's wrong for every single time, but most of the time, those are your most expensive clients to serve. Mm -hmm. yep. What do you, 100%. yeah. Um, when you hear let's target fortune 100, what are your first thoughts? Like long sales cycles, uh, costly, um, both on the execution side and just on the timing side, um, process, a lot of process. I want to go back to something else you said though. Like you said marketing. So like has, the ability like has a lot of the pressure on the ICP. Like, what if we don't put so much pressure on the marketing group? Maybe in the beginning, but why don't we put the pressure on the whole go-to-market team? Like, okay, okay, CS, like we're getting churn. Like you have say in the ICP. Like marketing can craft the message, but like, why are we putting it on marketing? I don't think it's fair. Just like we would say churn is CS's fault. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I think I phrased that a little differently than it happened in my head. So I oh, think yeah. marketing has a lot of ability to influence like anybody else at the table. Sure. They should be taking yep. feet. What's missing a lot of times though, is the feedback mechanism between CS and marketing. I think that was hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. Yeah. I like when is marketing and CS sitting at the table together? I, I, I don't know many companies where that's happening. Like, I would love to know some companies that like marketing and CS, like just have a meeting, I don't know, once a month, they yeah. can just say like, Hey, what's happening with churn? Like, what are you guys hearing? What are you seeing? Like, you know, we're still pitching X, Y, Z functionality. Oh, our customers don't even use that functionality. It's like, okay, well, why are we pitching it? Like, I don't know. We have all sorts of technologies to see where people are using what parts of the technology, but to go back to your other point on um, enterprise, like. I'm a big proponent of going after the mid-market. There's so many more people in the mid-market and most technologies or services or whatever it is really need people to help them in that space. And it, like the decision-making process is faster. Like a lot of stuff can happen a lot faster. So most people that start up, I say like SMB might be too small because SMB could be just as hard to please as a as a uh as a big enterprise company because they don't have much money and they're like i'm paying you like whatever it is and you got to perform for me but mid-market sometimes gives you a little bit more leniency because they've kind of gone through some of the growth but they're not at the bureaucracy of the large companies 
Well, it, it's funny because I don't know if you've seen this, but it seems to me like startups, I'm just to be blunt, sometimes uh, difficult personalities are allowed to to rule. There isn't as much buffer. Yep. So in mid-market, you kind of have to figure out how much you can throw your weight around or get replaced. Yeah, but like, once again, if uh, like... I think about it from a value proposition perspective. Are you delivering the value you promised in marketing and sales and CS? Like if you're delivering the like, and can you track it? And can you like articulate it? Because that's the one, that's the one thing that drives me crazy from in the sales world. We talk about, Oh, you'll save X or you'll save Y. And like, we go through this whole process and like a lot of people, all the teams I always work on, I say, okay, we have to build mutual action plans or joint engagement plans and like talk about when they're going to see value. But then like they go to implement or they're running the product and no one's like QBRs are like kind of worthless. And like, you know, how are, how are we measuring? Are we really valuable? Because then when renewal comes, it's, there's no question. Like we're always trying to, at the end of a, uh, of a contract cycle, we're always trying to figure out that we generate enough value. So then CS is trying to generate value, but the contract was signed a year ago they don't know what was promised. So we don't ever know what we delivered. Like it's the weirdest thing to me. And the customer is the same way. Like the customer is not measuring it e either. Well, and I'm so glad you brought that up because I've been pushed to in marketing falsify claims. Yeah. People already don't trust you if you tell them yeah. they're going to save X. Figuring out a mechanism to help the customer measure it because they're not going to do it on their own is so important. Yep. Have can you give us any examples of what you've seen work in a general I think the best way to do it is in the sales cycle, as soon as you're building a proposal, build like a mutual action plan, joint engagement plan where everyone has in like everyone has a task on it. And it and when you build these things, you don't just build them to when you're gonna sign a contract, you build them all the way to value. When will the customer see the value that we're promising? Whatever that value is, I don't know. Pick a pick whatever value you it is, and then hold yourself accountable from a vendor perspective. That when you're hitting those dates, and and once again, that the handshake from sales to CS, you hand that document over, and now CS owns the bottom part of it. What's the implementation look like? You may have a project plan. They may be like, what's the follow up look like? What is CS doing? Are we doing monthly check ins? Like, what are we doing to, to try to get to the value that we promised someone someone wrote a check someone signed a contract for an exchange of value we should be ex using that whether it's the crm you know some customer success platform to 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 keep track of this stuff um one of the stuff one of the things that we started using even in our um group is aligned so it's a deal room. It's got a mutual action plan. Stuff gets written right to HubSpot. Um, we're starting to have our customers use it because now the customer, like I used to do it in spreadsheets. Like I just build a simple spreadsheet and I'd be like, okay, everyone, we're going to work on the spreadsheet and we're going to figure out who has what activities. But now there's co uh, companies like Align that can help that process. Which is making several RevOps people somewhere very happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it should make it should make CEOs very happy and founders because if we can actually articulate the value, if we're articulating the value properly in marketing and sales, but we're not delivering it properly in CS, it's not necessarily a CS problem. Like what I've seen is like CS always gets like kind of cut off at the end. And they're like, 
because once again, sales will like hand it over, like whatever the handover is, and then they'll run back to the top of the funnel, right? Or in the middle of the funnel, wherever they are. So they're happy that we got a deal closed. Kumbaya, people like hitting gongs, but we never properly make sure that CS in the top 1% of the companies that are doing this, like they're amazing and like they're going to skyrocket because this is the right way to do it. But a majority of the companies aren't doing this, this handoff well. And like they're struggling because this is what happened at the end of like the SaaS apocalypse thing here is that people were at the end of 12 months, like someone had to cut budget and they're like, okay, we have all these technologies. What's the return on this? And no one could answer the question. The customer couldn't answer the question. The vendor couldn't answer the question. We're trying to create calculators and like make up stuff. It's like, so if we just, once again, foundation fundamentals, if we do it from the beginning and always do it, then it's going to be much easier in the long run. Do you front load or do you back load? Too many companies are back loading. They're not front loading. It just makes so much sense. Thank you, Dale. Do you have anything else you want to tell B2B marketers out there? Um, Just align, like communicate and align expectations early and often. Like, I don't think you can over communicate in the, the sales and marketing leadership space. Like, I don't think there's, a, there's such a thing as over communicating. And if you can't get 15, 30 minutes with your colleague on the other side, like we're doing something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And expect some healthy tension, but as yeah. long as you're both committed to working through it, it'll be fine. You got to trust each other. Cool. Well, thank you, Dale. This has been great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to the Revenue Marketing Report. Please tell two friends, subscribe, download, whatever you can helps. And for those of you looking for more great content like this, check out calibervine.com.